the mild weather is coming here as well, supposedly. So we'll see. That's mm -hmm. how it is. Always changing. Never perfect. Perfect in its imperfection. The material world. Adapt to the changing weather. <laughs> yeah. Good practice. <laughs> but, That's why Norway has the saying, no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Bad preparations, like you, you just dress up accordingly and then you deal with it. Yeah, yeah, start it up. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of analogies <laughs> in these things. But I, uh, mm -hmm. so we wanted to speak about identity today. Like we, we always mention at our introduction classes in meditation, we say, which is the beginning of spiritual life, the question of our identity, who we really are to be able to know then in which direction we should go. And uh, and and it's really like a step-by-step -step thing. And uh, there was something that you said last week that kind of caught my attention that I thought we could start with you because you said that, uh, yeah, perfection starts with a perfect understanding that I'm not the body. That's a huge step towards perfection. That I'm not the body, that's a perfect truth, a perfect realization. It's just, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I said. <laughs> you said that. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, pretty good, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I read what I said, I went, well, I didn't know I said that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but it's true. It's Yeah, that's that's the beginning of knowledge. I mean, if you don't know who you are, what do you know? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all you know is an untruth and what good is that because if if you don't know that then everything else is like you, you can't put perspective on anything anything else if you don't have that clear understanding that's right mm, I guess. yeah and you can't understand or solve any problems of life if you don't have that understanding you know, and the main problems of life are what? You're not happy, you're not satisfied, you're struggling with the temporary nature of yourself, meaning your body and the world around you, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And you can't solve that if you don't know who you are. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. because we have that question, like, why is this important? And I guess that's... Maybe somewhere to start, like you're saying, we, if we want to solve the problems of life, our suffering and our, like where, even where I'm going to go in life, just the uncertainty of like, which path should I go in life, which things, what things are worth spending my time on, investing my money and my energy in, in my life, then I need to know who am I to be able to know where, how to mold my life to, yeah. yeah. And that's you know, I just heard uh, someone was was saying how the educational system, higher educational system, this was in America, you know, the the university system mm. that when you, most students when they go there when they finish, they they got you know seventy thousand dollar debt or a hundred thousand dollar debt yeah. or or more, you know, and so they've invested that number of years, four plus years, and accumulated that much debt just to begin to start with their doing something, some direction in life. Yeah. 
you know, and for what value is it? You know, if you don't know who you are, is that really what you should have done with all that time and all that money you got to pay back? Hmm. You know, <clears throat> did you ever meet a, a person in Toronto named Derek? Did you ever meet Derek? Can't remember, but maybe, but I'm... Anyway, Yeah. He, he's, he was around for many years and... He was, you know, is, not was, but is, in his mid to late 40s, and he's still paying off his debt oh. to university. Yeah, yeah. You know, driving a, well, the last time, I haven't seen him in a while, but driving a courier car six days a week to pay off his, his education debt. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, like, you know... And what did it get him? It got him a job as a courier driver. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I was, I was just thinking, what, what, what was that about? Yeah. Well, it just just reminds me of a, that's another friend of mine here in Trumps, and she, and I think most, some, many of us maybe go in that same trap. What she had done was she. She was kind of promised. We are all promised. This promise of if you only do that, if you only go that path, it's gonna, it's gonna be resolved. You're like, you're gonna find your way. You're gonna get into work that suits you. And so she did that, and she got, you know, the nice education, and and she just couldn't get a job anywhere. Like she's still struggling to get a job, and she just has such a bad uh, self. Uh, what is it called? So, esteem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Self-esteem due to that fact. Like she feels like that she built her whole life on that. Like she's going to get this nice education, finally be able to satisfy her, the desires of her parents and, and be someone, you know, to just feel like you're, you're part, actually, you're contributing some some way. And then she doesn't get a job. And then it's just it's just like failing. You're you're not good enough. And and it's all a big yeah. illusion, like that's gonna make you happy. And, I, and I'm not saying I'm not blaming her in a sense because it's the whole society is promising that, like it's giving yeah. you that lie. <laughs> yeah, that's the influence of society. Yeah. yeah, you know, and we've talked about it many times that everybody's influenced by society, the other people around them, etc. So we're actually just reflections of the influence that have been projected upon us. Like your friend. I mean, she's just a reflection of that. Yeah. Mm. You know, but look what it's, it's done to her, you know. It's basically all the hard work just took her to a low, low place. And then, mm. you know. So, yeah, I guess we're getting off the subject a little bit, but uh, our identity is so important. So, as we always try to make clear to people, we take our information, we take our guidance from the Vedic scriptures and from the spiritual master. I mean, that's what we use as our source of knowledge, information, influence, if you will, mm. guideline. So, the message that is very prominently presented there is you are not your body. There's two energies, right? There's material energy, which comprises the material world, basically. And then there's a spiritual energy. And so 
That is who we are. We're in that category of spiritual energy. But we're a tiny spark of that spiritual energy. See, just a, they call it, they describe it as atomic in size. Hmm. So that small particle of spiritual energy, which is basically ourself, is encaged, it's oftentimes described like that, encaged. <laughs> like stuck in, in <laughs> a temporary body made of material energy. Mm. And therefore, we, under the influence of, it's called maya, or the illusory energy of the material world, identify ourselves as being the material body. Mm. And, and so that's who we think we are. So if we're, if we're in a male body, then we consider ourselves male or female, if it's the opposite is true. Yeah. If we're born in Sweden, I'm Swedish. And I can be very, very strong, that identity. <laughs> I'm still like, when people come to classes and they say they're, or I even hear that they have a Swedish accent, and I'm like, oh, are you from Sweden? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm as well. And then you... <laughs> I don't have that problem, but if American comes over here to Kazakhstan and, wow, where are you from, America? <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. So we identify with that, you know, our country <laughs> and our race, you know, Caucasian, Negroid, whatever the racial extraction is. And, of course, the family identity is very strong. We belong to this family. And on and on it goes. It's described that these are like labels that we stick on the body, you know. The gender label, the, the nationality label, the race label, the family label, and then you can just keep adding on. Oh, my occupational label. You know, I'm a yoga mm. teacher. I'm a military man. I'm a secretary. Mm. You know, I'm a scientist. Yeah. And then the marital label. Oh, I'm a husband. I'm a wife. And then doesn't end there, does it? Oh, here comes the parent label. Oh, I'm a father, I'm a mother. And then a little time rolls around and you say, Oh, I'm a grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a grandmother. And I can be You know, and it just keeps going. You know, and that's all illusion. It's it's not true. None of that is true. You know, and you add on your religious labels. I'm a Christian. I'm a Muslim, I'm a Hindu, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a Zoroastrian, whatever it is. And there's another label that's temporary, changing. See, it's not really who we are. It's mm -hmm. the false identity. Mm -hmm. And so we operate in that world of illusion. We operate on that false identity. This is who I am when it's really not. You know, it's like... You know, Clint Eastwood makes many movies over many, many years. <laughs> yeah. And in every movie, he's a different guy, <laughs> you know? And he's now old. He's 91 years old. Can you imagine still making movies, you know? And so all those years, he's been a different person in every movie, playing a different role, wearing different clothes, <clears throat> you know, having a different character, so to speak to portray. Yeah. But he's, he's none of those, you see? <laughs> and that's just like changing bodies many times. 
this lifetime, you know, you're in this position and this body and this labeling system, and then you die and you take another birth, and you, it's all a new role you're playing. It's a yeah. new movie, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and and it just keeps going like that. So that's the basis of yoga teaching. You're not this physical body, hmm. but it doesn't end there. We have two bodies. You see, we're covered by two bodies, two layers of material energy. And the second layer is subtle. It's not gross. The gross physical body is made of gross energy, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. These are the elements that make up the gross physical body. And that's the one you see in the mirror, and that's the one you can touch and feel, and everybody can see and whatever. Mm, yeah. Right? But there's a second body called the subtle mental body, and it's made of subtle material energy, mind, intelligence, and what is called false ego. It's the illusory eye. See, that's making up the subtle underlying body. And in this mental body, this subtle body, this is where our desires are. See, And this is where our feelings and sentiments and emotions, that's where they come from. Yeah. And so now it's become more and more not only popular, but stressed and promoted and almost demanded that you identify with your feelings and desires. Yeah. You see, I am my desires. My body is not me. They're saying, I'm not this body. I'm my desires. And the bodies that I have on doesn't fit my desires. Yeah. So therefore, I have to change my outside dress to fit my internal feeling. Yeah. My internal identity. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the new trend, right? Yeah. But this is just another material body. It's not us either. It's called the astral body in some esoteric circles, you know, and sometimes it's called the psychic body. But it's still material energy, and it's temporary. That's why it's always changing. I mean, mm. you know, our subtle body changes all the time, even more than the gross body. You change your mind all the time. And you change your mind all the time. <laughs> yeah. New feelings, new emotions, new desires, you know. You fulfilled the last one's Oh, but that didn't work. A new set. See, that's changing all the time. I was going to say, so, so if you chase that and try to satisfy that, and, and then you'll never come to a platform of stability and peace, and like, because it's always changing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's always changing. It's like mm. chasing the will of the wisp, they call it. You know mm. what the will of the I've wisp is? I've heard that is? expression. <laughs> I, I don't know where it comes from, will of the It comes wisp. from <laughs> the fact that in, in swamps, there's this you know, phenomena, it's, it's because of different gases that come from the swamp, uh -huh. and they kind of have a glow at night, you know, and so it's called uh -huh. foxfire sometime, or it's called the wisp, and it just, it's like the northern light kind of thing. You know how the northern lights just come swirling in and, and yeah. changing and moving, and then all of a sudden they're just gone? Yeah. You know, well, the will of the wisp is kind of... Imagine like that, but it comes from swamps okay. and, and the gases and, and the atmospheric conditions in that terrain. Mm. Uh. So 
Anyway, it's like chasing the will of the wisp. It's right there, but you can't get it. Like chasing the northern lights. <laughs> you know, you just, you just can't get it. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're doing. We're chasing all these desires and phenomena and so on like that. When it, we can't grasp it. We think we got it. I got you. And then it's gone. You see? So uh, our, our guideline authority, the Beta scriptures and the spiritual masters, teach us that we're in a different category of energy, see? That we're in the category of spiritual energy, see? That tiny atomic inside spiritual spark. That's who we are, mm. you see? So that's when we begin to realize our true identity. See, that's the beginning and from there, it is more and more information about that, you know. We can talk about that, you know, in our next chapter, if you will, of this subject. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah. but and one, one nice comparison that I thought about that we usually mention is a, is a research made in the, I don't know when it was, the 60s or 70s, but early, quite long ago, and they, and they traced with radioactive isotopes i think how the different cells in the body and different atoms in the body changed and they showed that in a period of five years all the atoms that make up your body are completely renewed completely changed and there was yeah. a, a a friend of mine that compared that to like having a red brick of a brick of walls that is completely red at, at the beginning that's your body let's say when you get born or something you know and then you take out one red brick every day when you eat for example when you eat food and then you put in a green brick instead and after a period of five years the whole wall will be green like new everything will be renewed <laughs> yeah idea being yeah. that i'm the same i'm not changing yeah yeah so, so yeah the body is always changing and uh, they even in that study, I remember that study, it was in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was in the early 80s, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, so, anyway, they found that, like, you know, the lining of the stomach, those cells, they last five days. Every five days, they change. See? Or the skin cells, they change every month, you see. And the liver cells, six weeks. So different parts of the body's cell structure have different lengths of duration. Mm. But in five years, it's all changed. Mm. You know? And, you know, I know somebody out there, probably because I've had this presented many times. Oh, but the brain cells and the nerve cells don't change. They'll, they'll come up with that argument. Yeah. So yeah. what you're saying is not absolutely correct, see. But those same scientists found that even though the cell of the brain, for instance, mm -hmm. doesn't change, all the components within that cell, see, on the micromolecular level mm. are changing all the time, like thousands of times they're changing in that time period that we've just outlined. So, you know, technically speaking, like the wall, the wall's still there, but now it's green. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I so see. Yeah. On the micromolecular level, it's all changed also. Mm. 
and then but, but how about people who wouldn't say then that i don't know the information is still like it's not being changed they could say the word like the dna or the information that's been copied and passed on like copied is the word copy it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know okay i'm going but here i, I here's a copy is containing whatever this information <laughs> yeah i is. see i see you know yeah you just keep copying it and the copy stays and and the original goes but we're not but we're not being copied like we're we're not the being that's being copied it's just a vehicle that's being copied yeah <laughs> yeah so and you know take it to to another level of changing the body completely at the time of death you know the soul leaves the body at the time of death mm. i mean that's what death is but and and that for the life because the soul is the life so the life departs from the body that's why the body no more has life that's what they call a dead body a lifeless body there's no life there but that soul which is eternal because all spirit is eternal takes birth in another material form of some type and therefore the same person but now he's in a new movie <laughs> It's like the Clint Eastwood that uh, he yeah. took rebirth in the next movie. <laughs> you know? That's a good comparison. Yeah, mm. and now he's got another role to play. You know, maybe his role last life was, you know, in a male body, and he was a scientist and or a musician, whatever. And now he's got a new role to play. What if he took birth as a animal, say, in a dog body? You know, now he's got a completely different role. Mm. Okay, this movie, you're a dog, you know? And he's very good at playing the part because he's got the body, he's got the mentality, <laughs> he's got the consciousness, you know? He knows what dogs do by instinct, and he lives like that. You know? But he's still the same person, now enclosed in that dog life. Mm-hmm. But he, yeah. And he thinks he's a dog. This is yeah, part yeah. of the illusion. I was going to say, like, he doesn't remember his his previous, mm. normally at least, we don't remember our previous no. uh, roles that now we've been playing. <laughs> now he's the dog. See. And, you know, the next lifetime, he's whatever. He's the cat because he was always meditating on cats. So, you know, <laughs> next lifetime... <laughs> It's a cat body. And then he goes Before back. he was chasing the cat, now he's running from the dog. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah. It's how the material world is designed. It's it's the structure of the material world. And if we don't know who we are, we don't know what's going on at all. Yeah, and on that on that topic of, of you know animals, enough. Yeah, maybe the, you know that. So the soul is is one, and I mean not, but there are not different souls. Like animals don't have different souls than than humans have. I guess that's the point that I wanted to come to, which is some misunderstanding that some people have, and and something that's hard for people to be able to relate to. For me as well, at the start, like especially that there could be a life particle exactly the same. In, in quality as me but a separate individual like 
in a plant that's standing there as my Christmas tree. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> not not really a traditional Christmas tree. <laughs> it's a, but but like there's a person in there, just the same as as me. I mean that's that's amazing that that it could be a, a person in a dog body. I think most people can maybe kind of relate to that. But that a that this. This palm palm Christmas tree would have a <laughs> spirit soul living in there. That's hard to relate to. Yeah, until you, you know, familiarize yourself with this understanding more yeah. and more. Yeah, and then you realize if if life is the spiritual particles, spirit souls, that's what life is. If there's life anywhere, it means there's a life particle or there's a spirit soul inside that body, whether it's an amoeba body or the, the tiniest little insect, you know, that mosquito that comes around and, you know, likes your blood or, mm. you know, the plant or any life form, anything that's living, the life in that living thing whatever it is is a, is a spirit soul and because of the symptoms that arise or that are apparent when the spirit soul is present right yeah there's growth for instance even in a plant yeah there's growth yeah you know but dead plants don't grow you know the as soon as a plant dies which means the soul leaves all those life functions stop mm-hmm you know, the growth stops, you know, you can water it. I don't care how much you water it. It's not going to do any good because there's nobody there to absorb the water and use it for the nourishment of the body, the plant. <clears throat> you know, and, you know, I always have thought many times, not always, but, you know, after I learned some of these things, <laughs> that in the forest there's a tree and it's a living tree. And that tree, by nature's design, is healthy, you know, and all these things that attack trees, they don't touch it. They can't touch it. But when that tree dies, very quickly, the worms move in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fungus moves in. All those those molds and, you know, we call them sometimes tree ears, those things that grow on, like, like you know, fungi, mushrooms or whatever. Mm. All of that begins to appear. They were always around this tree. But because the person was in that tree body, they didn't have the ability to take over that tree. Yeah. But as soon as the person dies, there's no defense system left. And then immediately, there they are. Yeah. You know? And then the tree very quickly decays and falls down. Mm. You know, whereas before it could stand up in strong windstorms, and now it just on its own without wind or anything else, eventually just falls down <laughs> and goes back to the dirt. <laughs> wow! Yeah. So you know it's so obvious if you understand these truths. There's a difference between the presence of the soul and the absence of the soul. Yeah, mm-hmm. and one of the the symptoms of the soul's presence is consciousness. And even in plants, you know, the the scientists have found that 
you know, through biofeedback and their different techniques that even plants have consciousness, you know, and they experience pain. And, you know, when you break off of a, a part of a plant, you know, that plant experiences some pain and screams in its own way. Or they react to, you know, warm feelings. You know, you talk yeah, nicely to exactly, a plant. Exactly. You know, and, oh, you're so beautiful. And, you know, it's kind words. And the plant reacts one way. And you talk mean to the plant. You know, you're so ugly and you curse the plant. And, you know, then the plant has another reaction. You know, consciousness is there because the soul's in. It's call. It's dull. It's very, very covered, but it's there. That's you know. Amazing. So, you know, these things that you can kind of start not proving in one way, but seeing the truth in in these examples that we've given. Yeah. You know. And and another point is, you know, in a human body, for instance, if the soul is there, that body is very valuable. Mm. You know, and, and so, okay, so cancer comes along. And, you know, <clears throat> the individual in the body and also the loved ones will spend their whole life saving, sell their home, whatever they have to do to keep it person in the body. In other words, cure the cancer, keep the person alive, don't let him die. It costs big, big money. Yeah. You know, unless you've got insurance, I mean, basically nobody can even mm. pay for it. You know, all the chemotherapy and whatever, whatever. But as soon as the soul leaves the body, then that body has lost its value. Yeah. And, you know, then the, the, the whole focus is pay your respects, you know, and and arrange for this disposal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, take it to the funeral home, get it embalmed if you're going to bury it, or take it to the crematorium and, you know, have it cremated and, yeah. you know, put it in a grave or put it in an urn and whatever. Mm. But in other words, the value immediately disappeared with the departure of the soul. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, because it's just mad. you know, so many things are obviously clear if you just understand the basic principle. Mm. Yeah. Maybe we should uh, have a little kirtan and we'll, you know, yeah, set a period we'll for the first part here and we'll yeah, do the second continue, one. Yeah. Continue later. Yeah. All right. I was going to say I have to put some firewood on my fire. That's what I normally say. <laughs> 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 but it actually looks good. <laughs> it's still burning. You yeah. must have put some kerosene in there. <laughs> <laughs> no cheating. <clears throat> so the mantra is, guess what? Haribo. Haribo nitag. No. Goranga Haribo. Goranga Haribo.
Allez, bon. Allez, bon. Yeah. So that's some Yes. So if you are listening to this one then check out part two. <laughs> Whatever episode number that is, the next episode number from this one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Valkyrie. In, in between you Ruben will put wood on his fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that's, a tra tradition. That's part two's preview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Valakia. <laughs> Namaste, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. <laughs>